This is Laura Dearden with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Mary Damond, Vice President of Revenue Cycle and Care Management at Children's National Hospital. Mary, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. Now, I know we've got a great conversation ahead of us, but before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yes, it's a bit unusual because I am a nurse and I'm also a fellow of the American Academy of Nursing. So there are not many nurses who are also revenue cycle leaders. Um, However, my nursing background has been entirely in case management and case managers are always managing between mission and margin. And over the years, I spent much much of my time with revenue cycle leaders uh, in all different parts of revenue cycle. And so about 10 years ago, we decided to consolidate all revenue cycle functions under a single leader. And um, I interviewed for the opportunity and was given the position. As a nursing revenue cycle leader, I do seek to optimize both the clinical outcomes and the financial outcomes. And I look at all parts of the organization through a blended clinical financial lens, which is somewhat unique in healthcare, but has also enabled me to look at how we deliver healthcare. And then as a result of the healthcare, what are the um, optimal clinical outcomes? And then how do we ensure that we're also achieving the optimal financial outcomes? That's fantastic to hear. And, you know, I think that's such a unique background, but I can imagine your experience as a nurse really adds a lot to what you're able to do on the revenue cycle side and gives you a perspective that can bring a, you know, a very valuable voice to the table when you're having discussions or really setting strategy and those types of things. Well, you know, in, in healthcare, it's always a collaboration between your revenue cycle team and your clinical team. And so it, it is really helpful to be able to have conversations with physicians about their coding and documentation and be able to relate their clinical work back to their, uh, their financial outcomes, their RVUs. And again, all physician profiles are case mix index adjusted. And so really kind of helping them understand the connection between the, the clinical documentation, the coding, the financial outcome, and then how it reflects upon them in its sort of public forums and settings. Absolutely. Wow, that's fantastic. And, you know, I really appreciate you talking through that. And considering where we're at today um, in healthcare, I know uh, coming a few years out of the pandemic now, but still a lot of after effects going through the industry, whether on the healthcare side, economics, just everything is still seems like um, being affected by what happened in 2020. So, you know, where do you see some of the opportunities for you at Children's National, as well as the headwinds that you have your eye on right now? Yeah, I would say there's some there's some major headwinds all across healthcare, and I would say the biggest one is human resources. Um, you know, everyone is trying to stabilize their workforce. They're trying to recruit top talent. They're trying to retain the workforce that they have, um, and that I would say the candidate pool is very shallow. So a, a big focus is really in terms of how can we deliver better care and get better financial outcomes with less of a burden on the limited human resources that we have. So a lot of my focus is how do we leverage technology and artificial intelligence to reduce the burdens on all team members across the clinical financial spectrum and really implementing automated workflows and working by exception instead of having manual workflows where everything requires 100% touch Uh, because that's really what we need to happen in healthcare right now, given, again, the headwinds that we face within the workforce. And then at the same time, also really looking at our workforce and how do we develop and contemporize our workforce 
with educational opportunities and training so that we get better employee and patient engagement. Uh, because that will help us in the long term, you know, not only elevate our staff to be top performers, but then also retain them within the organization. That's really a great point. And definitely, I, I love the idea, as you mentioned, of providing those opportunities for people to grow and develop. And, and then too, like you mentioned, having a great pipeline of uh, people who are committed to the organization and your mission. From that standpoint, is there anything that you do at Children's National um, that, that really sets you apart in terms of being able to grow and develop the talent from within? And I know you mentioned training programs, but is there anything else that has been really attractive or worked well in your, uh, from your perspective that um, has really helped set you apart from others? Well, you know, I, I really feel like when you're talking about employee professional development and employee engagement, it really goes down to your leadership team and their leader in particular. So um, I spend a lot of my time focusing on um, leaders and employees. We do a monthly newsletter that is strictly for the revenue cycle care management team so that they feel that they're part of, of a, a larger team. We celebrate uh, you know, monthly recognitions. This month coming up in April, it'll be patient access. We share pictures and photographs. We share uh, kudos across departments, across team members, kudos that come to team members from outside the department. And also leverage that newsletter to talk about educational opportunities and training opportunities and to recognize individuals who've gone on to get their master's degree. So I think those sorts of, you know, it, it really is more of a grassroots sort of level. Um, people come and leave positions based off of their leader. So if we can really make sure that our leadership team is the very best it can be, that in and of itself retains um, employees and staff. You know, beyond that, um, we do always want to make sure that anyone that's interested in coming to Children's National understands that we are a top five pediatric hospital. We have the number one NICU in the nation, that we really are a culture of excellence and high performance. Um, because most people that, that, that come to work, they want to know that they're part of something that's really bigger than themselves and something that's really impactful and meaningful and important. And so we do leverage our status and our mission, which you can't have a better mission than you know, curing pediatric diseases. Uh, we have a huge research arm. So we use all of those different attributes to the organization to really get people excited about coming and working at Children's National. That's great to hear and, and really uh, valuable insight and information. Now, uh, when you're looking at growth and development, as well as adding value to Children's National in the future, how can you do that from the revenue cycle perspective? What was really uh, top of mind and where do you really see yourself and in, in your teams um, making Children's National better? So when you, when you look at revenue cycle and care management, you know, you're really looking at pulling all the levers that you can to improve your clinical care model, uh, deliver care at a lower cost, as well as increase your financial margin. And so from across the organization, um, the, every part of revenue cycle is engaged in some sort of a performance improvement process. I'll start first with care management, where, where we're really focusing on you know, reducing the length of stay and getting discharges out earlier in the day, really optimizing our patient throughput. Um, that has the, the dual impact of both lowering your average cost per patient day because you're, you're paying less on that day of discharge in terms of expenses, 
but then also optimizing getting new patients into a bed and into a room, which generally also yields higher reimbursement. In particular, we're looking at targeted DRGs where we have excess days to really understand what is driving those excess days and what are the necessary steps with using a multidisciplinary care delivery team to reduce those excess days. And in some cases, some of those DRGs, we're really looking at reducing maybe four hours out of the day. What, is there a way to make sure that that test gets resulted earlier or the study gets read in the morning as opposed to the afternoon? So really, again, looking at that care delivery model to see where can we, where can we shorten that length of stay, be it by a day or be it by hours? Um, and so we have different target groups with case management, um, working again with our clinical care partners on how we can improve that. You know, also on the clinical side, we are continuing to really uh, study very carefully our case mix index and the work of clinical documentation improvement. You know, the CDI program in pediatrics is a little bit different because we are governed by APR DRGs more than MS DRGs, although we do have MS DRG payers. So really kind of getting into the nuances of the clinical documentation and really partnering our CDI nurses with our, our physician advisors, our practicing physicians and our coders to say, where do we have documentation gaps and where do we have documentation opportunities? Again, you know, looking for an impact on CMI, but also looking for just having really high quality documentation overall. You know, on the revenue cycle side, we're looking at um, artificial intelligence software and patient access to automate the screening for prior authorizations. And our goal with this is to ultimately reduce write-offs to bad debt because we don't have the correct prior authorization in place, but also to free up the human resources um, that are really lacking in the patient access space across the country so that they can work by exception instead of having to review and work 100% of all cases. So that AI we're really um, very excited about and we're getting very close to hopefully having a final vendor and an implementation. Um, in terms of um, our coding and our charge services, uh, we continue to do a deep dive in looking at physician documentation and coding. At Children's, we do both technical and professional billing and really making sure that the physicians are using all of the codes that they have at, at their disposal and that they're using them appropriately. And in particular, we are excited about the changes in E&M coding requirements and going to time-based services. Uh, some, of our, some of our medical subspecialties have already embraced time-based documentation and E&M leveling, and others have not. And then also um, this year, they did roll out the prolonged visit service code for inpatients, which we think is an opportunity as being a quaternary care pediatric hospital. It, it's not uncommon for our attending physicians to spend hours working on patient care with family meetings, uh, doing uh, team meetings with other healthcare professionals, care coordination and discharge planning. So really making sure that, that we are educating the physicians on you know, E&M coding and documentation and really leveraging that to the, the greatest, the greatest uh, level possible. And then in our billing and collection space, we're very focused on a digital billing platform. Uh, we are hoping with a digital billing platform that we will increase our self-pay after insurance collections. Uh, we see that as a real opportunity for us, and we also think it will alleviate some of the burden on our customer service team as patients and families can create their own payment plans. 
um, and just make it a lot more consumer focused and consumer friendly while at the same time uh, having a better yield for us in terms of that self-pay after insurance. Um, so those are some of the high level things that we're doing just across revenue cycle. Um, all of those initiatives do have um, a financial ROI attached to them. Um, wherever possible, we do build out revenue trackers so we can actually track the change in use of different codes and diagnoses and what have you so that we can give immediate feedback on a monthly basis to all the service lines and like, well, this seems to be going really well. This looks to be an area of opportunity. Uh, so we're just, we're very excited, um, but it is, again, um, a fairly, you know, heavy lift for everyone in healthcare as we are all you know, managing through the workforce issues and at the same time looking to optimize financial outcomes. Absolutely. I think it sounds like you've got a good start at the very least in terms of bringing in the technology and the tools and the automation needed on the revenue cycle side um, and just started on that journey to provide the data and information and boosting the workforce. But I can imagine there's still a lot of work ahead um, as things are always changing in the situation. You know, it's so important, especially on the revenue cycle side, um, to be supportive of the clinicians and patients in, in really uh, putting the entire process, making it easy for everybody involved. Um, you know, so thank you so much for talking through all of that with us. Now, as you mentioned, it seems like you are um, at Children's National working through the technology, really uh, jumping into some new areas and tools to help the team. Um, but I know that time and, and uh, especially resources on the workforce side, as we've talked about, are very precious right now. So I was wondering, is there a risk or investment that you see really being worth making this year still, even as resources are scarce? Um, absolutely. Um, and I think really, you know, the, the best investment we can make is making sure that we're leveraging technology to make those workflows easy and automated. And as we are really looking at, um, you know, these enhancements to the revenue cycle technology, you know, we're also seeing areas where we've implemented technologies that are not well integrated into the system. And so the other thing that I'm really focused on is really looking at any, any technology or any sort of bolt-on tool that requires a human interface. Um, because a human interface is not reliable, it's not consistent, and it's very, very expensive. And so as we've gone through sort of our digital reimagination of our revenue cycle processes, and certainly our consumer facing patient journey as well, we've uncovered specific technologies that require someone to copy and paste something into a field or to work looking at one system where really the other system is the source of truth for that ultimate patient financial statement. So I think one of the, the big opportunities that I see as we kind of go into the next year is, is really looking at, you know, did we make good technology decisions over time? And do we need to look at different technology tools that are not integrated into a workflow or are requiring some sort of human touch? Um, ultimately, the goal is to reduce the amount of human touch to the greatest degree possible. So the human resources you have can really be focused on higher level functions that require critical thinking, uh, communication, be it with payers and insurances or physicians and providers. So we can really leverage our, our human capital to the to the highest uh, potential possible. That's a really great point and definitely something that I know a lot of organizations across the country are looking to do and support the workforce that they do have. Before we wrap up our conversation, I'm wondering, could you talk through where you see some of the best opportunities for growth in the future? Yeah, well, you know, I, 
In terms of growth, I think the one thing that we all learned in the pandemic is that telehealth is a tremendous opportunity, and it's also one that brings a great deal of consumer satisfaction. Um, it was amazing to see, you know, telehealth numbers go from, you know, 5% to, you know, 3,005%, literally within a, a two-week period. Um, the, the rapid growth in telehealth has really kind of taught us that, that this platform is not only a good platform for delivering care, but one that really is amenable to our customers. That more and more consumers in this digital age, they want telehealth visits. So when I think of growth and expansion, I think the one area of opportunity coming out of the pandemic that we want to continue to elevate and refine and expand upon is telehealth. And not only direct to consumer telehealth, but certainly distant site telehealth, you know, supporting, you know, as a pediatric quaternary care provider, we have super, super subspecialists who cannot necessarily go to remote rural hospitals or locations in person, but using telehealth, we can really expand the coverage, make it a much better vehicle for service delivery for families that are not necessarily nearby or have easy access. And then the other group that I really um, am excited about you know, expanding more telehealth services to um, beyond our behavioral health population is our sort of technology dependent population. If you do not absolutely have to have um, a child that is, you know, on a ventilator come into a hospital for an appointment, if you can do that visit through telehealth, it just decreases so much stress and burden on the family and the healthcare system. So when I get excited about like where is it that we really need to to grow technology and platforms and services, it would be in in the telehealth realm. Absolutely. I think that's a really great point. And I know a lot of organizations and, and patients really, like you said, love the telehealth option and still trying to figure out exactly what that perfect mix is and, and where it fits within the continuum of care. But um, definitely great to know that from your perspective, you see it moving in that direction and um, really are able to uh, adapt in in um, from the digital transformation perspective. So Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, Mary. This has been a really fun conversation and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you, Laura. And again, I'm, I'm a big listener and a huge fan of the podcast. So it's been my honor and privilege to be on the podcast. Thank you so much.